I hope that this acts as a soundtrack for some people and a few months or years from now, they listen to these songs and they're taken right back to when they first heard them. Welcome to the Rochester Groovecast Podcast. Birthed by a love of music, we're all about culture. Don't forget to subscribe and remember the fee. If you gain value from this podcast, personally share it with a friend and explain your favorite part. Let's get groovy. Groovy. Welcome, everyone, to the Rochester Groovecast podcast, your top source for live local regional music interviews and events from Rochester, New York, and the surrounding region. I am here with Sally Louise. Sally, what's up? How are you today? Hi, I'm doing really, really well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I, I said this before we started. This is like the best part of my night, best part of my day. We're doing this late night. Don't even care. We're going to have fun. Keep it casual. and. I'm excited because I've only heard the two tracks we're going to play today, but you just dropped a brand new album. Was that your debut album, Sally? Yes, it was. It was my debut album. It's not the first thing I've released. I've released four singles before that, but this is my first major work that I was dropping. Yes. Love it. Love it. It's um, My Hands Are On Fire. Again, a lot of people haven't heard it yet because it just came out. We have two tracks to listen to today and they're incredible. We'll hear it. Um, I'm excited to hear the whole thing. Um, obviously, I want to listen to the tracks, but let's just say it now in case someone drops off in a couple minutes for some reason that's beyond me. Where do people get the album? You literally just released it, right? I just released it. So, I mean, if you just want to get a little taste and listen, you can hop onto Spotify or Apple Music or Deezer or wherever you listen uh, and listen to it there. Sally Louise or type in My Hands on Fire. It should come up. Uh, or if you feel so inclined to actually support me uh, and buy a copy for yourself, uh, whether it's digital or physical, I have CDs. And hopefully in the future, not too far in the future, I'm planning a vinyl release, actually, um, to be able to purchase it. I sign every single one. I usually send off a little thank you card in the mail as well. Wow. Or come to one of my shows and hear it live. That too. Things are opening back up. Do you have any yeah. shows coming up? I do. Uh, next Wednesday, uh, the May 26th, I am playing at the Little Theater in Rochester. Awesome. I'll keep in touch. I haven't seen you live yet, which is exciting for me because things are open back up. I'll come see you live. But first, for anyone who doesn't know who you are yet, who are you? Well, why music? Music is almost <laughs> like uh, musicians are almost a strange breed, right? What what got you into music in the first place? Like, why do yeah. you love music? That's a great question. Um, yes, we are a strange breed. You have to be kind of, you're normal if you do it as a hobby, but you're strange if you do it as a real professional thing for the rest of your life <laughs> and let alone go to school for it and get a degree and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm a native Oregonian. I went to school for opera 
I, throughout my childhood, I played various instruments. My family um, were musical hobbyists uh, with violin and piano and trumpet and drums and classical and jazz music was playing throughout the house as a kid. So it was kind of built into me that music was a thing. Um, it was expected of me to take music lessons, uh, not as a profession, just to be a more well-rounded person. And, um, but ever since I was four, I was like, I'm going to be a singer. And my parents were like, yeah, it's a nice phase. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's nice, Sally. Uh, and as time went on, it wasn't a phase. It was the real deal. And, and um, I started taking voice lessons in high school after cycling through violin and piano and getting disenchanted with them. Um, I started voice lessons and did a little musical theater and fell in love with classical singing and went to college for it. Um, I lived in Germany after graduation, did opera there for a while. Uh, wherever I could sing, I would sing. And I learned German and came back and decided grad school is the next step. So I applied for the Eastman School of Music and that's how I ended up in Rochester. Uh, long story short, that's how I ended up in Rochester. Yeah. Rochester. Uh, and ever since then, I've been here for almost two years. And in that time, I started my master's degree at Eastman for vocal performance dropped out of my master's degree and started being a singer songwriter. Um, and I've yeah. done a lot of singing singer songwriter kind of things since middle school. My best friend and I uh, started learning guitar on our own accord and writing really bad songs, but uh, that's how you learn. That's how you start, right? You gotta be a beginner first. And then we went on from there and uh, it was a kind of an extended journaling practice of sorts that brought me to songwriting. Uh, and then certainly the start of COVID was a really emotional time for all of us. Uh, and I think that just kind of turned on the faucet and this just flood of songs came out and um, the rest is history. So. Yeah. Rest is history. I love that metaphor. This is just flooding out of the faucet. And what, <laughs> yeah. what, it, what is the verdict from when you were a kid and old from to now it does music make you a more well-rounded person? Does it make you a oh, better person? Oh, yeah. I think, if anything, um, I get a kick out of the... It's usually an older generation. I don't get this from people my age or even people who are in their 30s or 40s. I feel like it's um, an older generation that frowns down upon, uh, frowns down upon pursuing music uh, seriously. So many people are pursuing music and that doesn't mean it's your be all end all. I think being a musician, it requires you to be a really good listener, to be able to clue into tiny details when you're reading instructions, i.e. music and sheet music, um, to be able to collaborate with others, to be able to improv with people and work with what people are giving you and, and give something back. Um, and to also be a really great networker. Um, and that's something that specifically with opera and, and I mean, other, other genres, of course, especially like within the instrumental community, I think particularly the jazz community is a really strongly connected network, but in opera, you are required to schmooze people after your show, you sing a three hour opera and then you get off stage and you have to schmooze for an hour and talk to the audience. And, um, it's a way to make more money. It's a way to make more connections, a way to keep an audience for future performances because they're so few and far between and there's such special events. Um, and so that's really 
paid off in other aspects of my life, other day jobs I've had, other places I've lived, and how I run my myself as a business now, as an artist. Um, it's really made me a well-rounded person. It's also um, specifically with vocal music, less so with instrumental in my experience. But as a vocalist, especially within the classical vocal community, you have to do so much research and you have to not just know the historical period, you have to understand different languages and be able to read and speak different languages fluently or act as if you are fluent, if you don't speak it fluently and be able to be hungry about learning. You want to know everything about this composer, what was going on in their life when they wrote this, who was the original cast, what drama went on when it first appeared, all that stuff. And why is it important? And why are we doing it in this style now? And who is our audience? And you just have to be really hungry to know more. That's it. Yeah. And there's so much to learn. I mean, know more and more. Thank you for shining a light on just the soft skills and the intangibles that you get as a musician. You're talking about after an opera, long show, vocal cords are probably tired. Yes. You're still <laughs> you're still having conversations with everybody because that's part of why they want to come back because they like you and they appreciate that extra effort. Um Many of musicians, and granted, they're incredible and maybe deserve it. They show up right before the set. They rip their set. They disappear. I don't know if anybody ever sees them anywhere but the stage. So it, it sounds yeah. like you're doing the work. Yeah, you have to. Otherwise, people don't. People show up not because. Um... Let me back up. Um... Yeah. <laughs> My mantra that's really developed over the past year that is certainly inspired by my experiences within opera, but certainly within songwriting, having started from going from zero until um, now, I mean, I have a thousand followers on Insta and I have a few hundred people on Spotify who are follow me and listen regularly. And it's without any live shows either. It's completely, this has been almost completely virtual. Um the mantra I've had is no one cares and that's it. No one cares. And when you, when you say that initially, it feels personal. You think, Oh my gosh, no one cares about what I'm doing. <laughs> that's, oh my God. I thought I mattered. Oh, then what, what is the meaning of life? But then you think about it a little bit more and you say, well, no one cares. Therefore I can do whatever I want because no one cares. So why not do what I want? Mm. And that is when you really find your thing and where your strengths lie and what you're drawn to. And as soon as you allow yourself to really explore that, I've found not just in myself and other people who have kind of gone down a similar self-discovery path, you, the moment you are aligned with your most authentic self people are drawn to you. The right people are drawn to you. The people who want to go along on that journey with you, who want to see more of what you're making because it resonates with them, because it, you are you are creating this from a place that is so authentic and genuine. It can't be faked. It can't be made by anyone else. It can only be made by you um, and the way that you make it. Um, and that is what's worked for me and um, has been the recurring theme throughout this yeah. whole process. And um, I don't know what the original question was, but I, <laughs> I hope that answered I love it. it. <laughs> I, it did. I, 
I love your commitment. What what I'm wondering, and this is a tough question. I don't have the answer, but like you're your most genuine yourself. You're vulnerable. You're true to yourself. You're starting from a slate of nothing. You can't lose because you're going to build on top of that and just be you. What if the audience isn't receptive to who you are? It's kind of a philosophical question. Yeah. If the audience isn't receptive to who I am, then I'm just not in the right place. And honestly, that's a moment where, again, this is a this is just a showbiz term is you just take the money and run. If you're not being paid, maybe you shouldn't be there. But <laughs> if you're being paid, you just stick it out and then you leave immediately after. <laughs> Um, but if an audience isn't receptive, yeah, I mean, you just you just do the job because that's what it is at that point. It's a job and you're just getting it done. Um, I think it's, for me, the realization of for, for opera, of leaving that, that, that dream I pursued for 10 years and then switching gears to what I'm doing now, doing a 180. It was recognizing that I don't think I was really performing for the right people. Like my, my truest self was not welcome in the community that I was trying to integrate myself in and realizing I, I I felt like I was being put into a, into a box of what an artist should be and how they should act. And I was not that type of artist. Some people are, it works for them. But for me, I felt like I was being forced into something that just did not resonate, resonate with me. And life is too short to be that miserable. So I just decided to leave it and find the people that did like my stuff. (laughs) You're right. I mean, life is way too short to be that miserable. And I will tell you, my listeners, they're open-minded and they're going to like your music and Mm -hmm. they're going to listen for at least four more minutes because we're about to play the song. And listen, if you don't like it, you can turn the podcast off, but that's not going to happen, right? Yeah, man. Um, (laughs) Just turn it. Don't turn it off, but turn it off if you don't. <laughs> you're not you going to turn that, it huh? off. You know? you're, not, you're not going to turn it off. But if you want to, I'm not going to cry because it's not your audience and that's OK. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. but but let's let's play. Let's listen to I Won't Call Your Bluff. Um, I want to talk about it a little bit after. But is there anything I should be listening for? Is there anything uh, you can say to kind of prepare us for the song or should clean slate I I think we should just um the only thing I'll say to put it uh in perspective of how my drummer Chris Palace he he said it perfectly um a little imagery that kind of helps uh bring it to life was imagine yourself all the way back to a middle school or high school dance and you're going with your date and you get there and you're excited and then your date ditches you for someone else like (laughs) you see them leave you and go dance with someone else and that is ouch so (laughs) i've i've been there so if i'm crying by the end of this (laughs) good (laughs) let's listen Silence in the eye after 
to the Rochester Groovecast podcast. Head over to Facebook, like Rochester Groovecast, and mark our page as C first to keep in touch with everything new. Now, back to the show. Yeah, Sally. <laughs> Woo. I feel yeah. I feel like I feel like I took a blast uh, from the past like Motown days. Oh, really? Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going for. <laughs> I was, uh, is that what you were going for? Tell me a little bit about, um, you know, the inspiration for that song. Maybe, yeah. maybe um, we can talk about the lyrics might be a little personal. I mean, uh, lyrics can be open to interpretation about exact yeah. meanings and things like that. All I'll say was I was just, you know, waiting by the phone is a really good way to put it. I was waiting by the phone. And um, so I decided I'm not going to waste my day just waiting by the phone, even though I really was waiting by the phone the whole time. Um, I just decided to write this song and it kind of came out accidentally like a little shoe-op Motown, you know, fifties ballad. It's a breakup song ballad. It's a, yeah, it's like you'll dance and cry at the same time. 
uh, <laughs> while you're yeah. jamming out to it. But, um, you know, sway back and forth and have a good cathartic cry. But I wrote it and it just kind of came out like that. Didn't intend for that to be the tune. It just kind of happened. And then I just leaned into it and I was like, you know, this sounds like it could use some backup singers. And I really wanted to go shoe up, you know, that kind of, <laughs> that kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, and it's so different than any other song on the album because no other song has that fifties shoe up influence. It might have some other Americana roots. Absolutely. But this was so distinct and um, it's one of the tracks, one of the most popular tracks that people have been bringing up to me since the album release. And so I wanted to make sure that we had a little time with it today. <laughs> yeah, it's a great start. And it's very different than the second song we're going to play in a moment. What what can people expect from the album? It's You cross genres a lot. Yeah, it's definitely... Um, when people say, Sally, what type of music do you make? I usually say uh, indie folk. <laughs> that is the great umbrella. I preface it by saying an umbrella term for what, for what I do is indie folk because it has its roots in folk music. I mean, I've always loved folk music. It's been the basis for so much of what I do. I mean, all, all the way back to say Stephen Foster. I mean, that's a very classical folk, but uh, folk all the same, in fact. There's so many artists who in the 60s and 70s revival did so many covers of his compositions. And um, there's uh, this great oral tradition that's just been passed down and there's so much history in it. I just, I love it. Um, but it is the, it's one of many different types of foundations for all these different other, you know, these other genres. And for me, I was really digging into keeping some roots in the folk realm, but the rest of this album, there's some tangents into psychedelic, you know, early psychedelic music, um, some tangents into, yeah, um, this classic rock, almost classic rock ballad. Um, and a few others that are very much inspired by um, Jeff Buckley or uh, Patty Griffin, uh, her first album where she's just playing with her guitar and singing um really minimal and uh irish drinking songs i mean like it just goes into really wow. strange territory there's some samples on there too so like trying to incorporate some um hip-hop tradition of bringing samples into uh but that is it's just everything i love and then i just make i just put it into something that i made <laughs> Everything, everything Sally in one place. Yeah, there you go. So when someone is like, wow, this really goes different places. It's great, but it goes different places. I'm like, yeah, but I, wouldn't you think like, I, I mean, this is, this is not a knock on Law and Del Rey because I, I love her music, but I won't lie. If I listen to one album and I, I don't conscience, consciously pay attention to it, I feel like my mind will just wander after a while, kind of forget that I'm listening to an album and start doing something else because it starts sounding the same after a while. It doesn't take, it, it's not as um, interesting sonically. And I really like say Billy Joel, who has such a genre bending, blending, blurring kind of mindset when it comes to music. You listen to his albums and every song has a different influence and mm. it's so obvious and it's so interesting to listen to because every song is different. Um, but the, the 
key aspect that marries it all together is him. Oh, yeah, there's definitely a Billy Joel song, but it's influenced by X, Y, and Z things, you know? So that's kind of the thought behind it. So I'm not ashamed to have different genres in there. Some people might frown on it, but I think it's interesting. So you've got the the singer songwriter vibe. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm not gonna say the band name because I think they're great and I don't want to throw them under the bus, but I was at a show recently and I didn't say it. So none of this is me. My friend said it. She's like, literally the entire set is sound exactly the same. And they were playing like groovy, jammy music and very up-tempo. But it's true that like extended songs, all the songs are like six to ten minutes long. And a lot of them sounded the same. So it kind of just blended into a vibe. It's a vibe. It's fun. You can drink. You can like have a good time. But it's more of a vibe than like a educational experience like you would get out of a singer songwriter taking you to different places and i mean that stuff too i mean i love that kind of music and you definitely you know it's not like you want to listen to the same thing all the time but um, i do think there's serious value in that as well it's kind of uh, interesting to see how people are able to maintain this vibe for a very prolonged period um I think that's something that's like also classically based um, from opera. I just keep thinking about how like with opera, you sing an aria and it, 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 it ultimately the premise of the aria is I am sad and my lover has left me, but it is a 10 minute long piece. Mm. And you say maybe like four sentences just over and over and over and over again with different melismas and different musical gestures. And you just have to like, keep that feeling alive for 10 minutes, you know, (laughs) it is a hard balancing act. So there is definitely an education in it, but as a listener, unless you're like really tuning in and paying attention to the technicality of it, it's really easy to tune it out or just to, to lay back into that vibe that they're creating that atmosphere. So I totally get what you mean. Um, It's just a different, it's just a different path. Yeah. Yeah. I I like how you describe that because it's, it's, bringing up for me like using techno music as an example it's very repetitive but you know that droning repetition with dynamics built on top of it can kind of be like meditative kind of trancey where you get sucked in due to the the melismas and just adding more and more onto it um so yeah maybe we'll catch some of that on the next album yeah yeah maybe i mean well (laughs) (laughs) i'm already working on it in fact i like just finished another song like today that i've been working on for it um so i know gosh i've been working on it for a few months um and i'm i've already been starting to record it um in a real studio now uh rather than my bedroom which was how this album was recorded um and it's just kind of wild to see where that's going and it's going in a different direction than i anticipated um or even imagined it would go into. And it's not like a drastic shift, but um, it's um, a little bit more traditionalist than I think my approach was with um, this debut album. So cool. I want to, that's all I'll say about it. (laughs) Well, let's, let's binge on the debut album first. We'll get to the next one as it comes out. Um, Never be the same. What should we know about this track? Is it about COVID? Uh, No, uh, Never Be the Same Again is about 
Okay, chronologically speaking, it is the last track I wrote for the album, although it is not the last track on the album. In fact, My Hands Are On Fire, the title track, is the last track on the album, and it was the first song I wrote for the album uh, way back in last April, April 2020. And Never Be The Same Again, I wrote just in February of 2021, this year. And I didn't intend to write another song for the album. In fact, I had finished the album or I thought I had finished the album two weeks prior. I was in the process of re-recording some some stuff for the album because, yes, I had to re-record the album <laughs> due to technical issues, um, which was really frustrating. But I'm really glad it did. I did it because now you hear what you hear. Um, yeah. And I, I had gone through, I mean, we've all gone through this traumatic collective trauma of just being isolated and dealing with life through masks and through social distancing and not seeing our loved ones, et cetera, et cetera, which is traumatizing in itself and frustrating and creates a lot of emotional tension. But I was also in an abusive relationship on top of it uh, and navigating a major career shift at the same time. And in February, the never be the same again kind of came out of me in one go. It just was this flow state and mm-hmm. it happened. And I was like, oh my God, I have to put this on the album. It's the song that knows the end. Everything else on the album was written in the midst of this horrible time in my life. Yeah. And um, this song knows the actual ending, like how everything goes down. And um, so it's kind of, it's the only song in the album that's written with actual past perspective where I'm able to mm. look back and reflect. It's the song yeah. that knows the end. The song I, that knows the end. Yeah. I, I hope everyone's as, as excited as I am. Let's give it a listen. I tried so hard to catch a falling knife within an inch of my life your blood rained on me now you see I'll never be the same again Where your shotgun stare was rifled My last breath stifled By the pain that fanned out from your gaze In your haze I'll never be the same again Can you tell me what it means As I lay here without breath Wondering where the hell I'm going If I haven't left Oh, I'll never be the same again Marking up the walls for 
tried so hard to catch a falling knife Within an inch of my life Your blood rained on me And now I see What am I supposed to say after that one? I like the line I, I um tried to catch a falling knife. Yeah. That's, that sounds dangerous. This one is still pretty raw to me. It's so interesting whenever um it's also kind of it um I've had a lot of people I I've I've been asking a lot of people what their favorite track off the album is. And everyone has a different favorite like every song on the album has been called a favorite by at least a few people which i guess is the mark of a good album um but which is like i'm flattered i'm like wow i can't believe every song has resonated with someone um but never be the same again certainly has a few more tallies of how many people have said it's their favorite um it's up there with like two or three songs that are really standouts to, to a majority of people. For me, it's my personal favorite, probably because it's the most recent one I wrote, which tends to be the case. The most recent song I've written is usually my favorite. <laughs> Re- recency, yeah, um, recency bias. Yeah, but also it sums up this whole period of time that was so incredibly transformative um in the most i don't know negative positive who knows what the outcome will be but um i i think it was a positive yeah. transformation it was it hurt it was a very painful transformation <laughs> but it um uh, ultimately was good um and this song i just wanted to keep in its rawest form of just voice and guitar and don't put any frills on it no harmonies nothing like that it's just got to be very raw and um when i perform it i mean i i did an album release concert last week and i performed um at fairport b-side last week as well for a private event and people came up to me afterwards and were like that was a really mm. raw song like that felt like it hurt it like it pierced my heart a little bit <laughs> said good because my heart gets pierced every time <laughs> i play it so <laughs> That's perfect. That's one of those songs that I wouldn't want to hear a whole band. Like, I'd love to see you with a full band, full album, but maybe the encore, the last song, you come out just you and the guitar, no frills. Like, man, yeah. I could see I could see people crying. Yeah, I got, I really hope some people have cried listening to it. Um, <laughs> I, I really hope I can make people cry. But it means, it means like it struck a chord in them. Um, to me, that song is just, it's the funny thing you say about that lyric, I tried so hard to catch a falling knife, uh, is that I kind of riffed off of someone's, I was watching an interview. I cannot for the life of me remember who it was, but it was some musician interviewing with like Pitchfork or some magazine like that. And they were doing a video interview and the guy was basically saying like, yeah, I was going through this really crappy relationship where this girl I was with was not good for me. 
but I was kind of addicted to it. And I'm like, I relate. Um, <laughs> and he had mentioned that his dad said, son, you know, never try to catch a falling knife. Mm. Like that's, that was his fatherly advice to him about this girl he was dating. Don't try to catch a falling knife. And I wrote it down. I was like, oh my gosh, that's got to be in a song. It's so good. And I, it just was percolating in the back of my mind. And I can't remember if it was a few days or a few weeks later, but then this song happened and I just kind of put my own spin on it because I really did feel that way that I did try to catch this falling knife and it wasn't good for me or for, for either of us, but um, it really wasn't good for me. I can say that much. And so um, I, I guess that lyric and the rest of the song kind of sums up that period of time, but yeah. Well, um, we're going to have to listen to the whole album. Hands are on fire. I've got a couple more questions, but how do you get the album again? It's on Spotify. It's, it's anywhere. Yeah. It's basically anywhere you can stream music. You'll find it. And if you want to purchase your own copy, whether it's a CD, which I sign everyone and I send them out myself, uh, or a digital download, you can go on to Bandcamp, sallylouise.bandcamp.com. You can follow me on Instagram at sallylouisesings and stay in the loop on if I'm, not if, when I'm doing this vinyl drop. If and Um, when. I'm just trying to let the stars align (laughs) so I can do it. Um, But I hope to do that soon. Uh, and I don't bite. I love talking to people who are interested in my music. So be sure to DM me on Instagram. Cause I really love talking with people, um, and getting to understand what resonates with them. And sometimes it influences my songwriting. And in fact, one of the songs on the album, the only song that's not autobiographical was because someone wanted to gift a song to their friend. And so I wrote this song about their friendship. And then I said, can I put this song on my album? Is that okay? And they said, yeah, do it. So, I mean, like, I love having that fan connection um, and kind of having a friend network in that way as well. Yeah, everybody follow Sally on Instagram. I'll tell you. So mm-hmm. I, I I have a marketing company, I have a marketing background. My Instagram's boring. Don't even bother following me. The stuff you post, you actually have an engaging page. Like it's not just a selfie here or there. It's like fashion shots and the album cover and videos and live music. And I'm like, do you have a background in this kind of stuff or you're just creative and know what you're doing? <laughs> um, I, I can say that um, I, I have learned from trial and error. And more than that is I've run myself as a business, a, a musical business for a while, simply as the na- it's the nature of the beast with opera, right? But I also worked as a recruiter for my alma mater a few years ago. And so I was selling a very expensive product, which was college. And I got really good at selling yeah. college to people. Uh, and that taught me how to market myself to people a lot more. Like that job taught me how to be a better musical business as well. So if you can sell college in the 2020s. Yeah, man, I don't I can't believe I did that. I kind of feel like that was a heinous crime, but (laughs) it was my job. I was literally paid to talk to people about college and encourage them to apply and go for it. But, um, you know, you can do what you got to do to survive, I guess. But, um, yeah, I love making and now 
really in the last probably six months, I'd say, I feel like I've finally found my stride with what kind of stuff I like to post and how I like to interact with people. And lately I've been getting into the reels thing. Um, and that's been really a fun journey to hop on the bandwagon of some of these trends and see if I can put my own spin on it. Yeah. And um, so far so good. You know, I just posted one today about me like sending off all the CDs. Um, I had like, like 25 packages and a few of them were going out to the UK as well. And so like signing all the papers and like packaging them all up and signing them and putting them in the mail. And um, it got like 8,000 views within 20 minutes. I was in, I I, I was blown away. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, Go follow me, but then also like send me a message. I would love to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell people all the time, interact, you know, a like goes, it's a step in the right direction. But what goes even farther is DM a friend this podcast, listen to totally. Sally's music, DM her, create more conversations around it. Like don't just listen and be done. Send her a message, you know, yeah, make her man. feel good about herself, buy the album, come to the show, be as interactive as possible because you're going to be after the show talking with audience for another hour when you're done, right? Yeah. And the other thing that we make a really good point is um, I've been encouraging certainly my friends, but I've had some people come out of the woodwork that uh, whether they're complete strangers or people from like, I'd say my past lifetimes, like, <laughs> like I haven't talked to them in a long time and they've come out of the woodwork and they're like, Sally, I didn't know you had a, an album. I said, how did you find my album? We haven't talked in like 10 years. <laughs> Hi. And, um, they, they find it. And I just say, you know what? Like if you were able to find it that way, I really encourage you to just don't put it, don't just post it on your story and share it with your Instagram following or Facebook following, like actually take the album and send the link of your favorite song to your best friend or to your coworker that you shoot the shit with you know like yeah send it to the people who you think would enjoy it and encourage them to listen and follow along because it resonated with you and that's really where like the best promo comes from like i can only go so far right it's really word of mouth that gets it out there so yeah yeah these days i'm not on it but do a tiktok use the album as your tiktok yeah man i've been trying i like tiktok is so i mean it's um the one, the one qualm I have with it, as far as music goes, is that granted, yes, you can find music on TikTok through these trends, but when people do a viral TikTok to a song, they don't like, at least from my perspective, when I hear these songs, I go, oh, it's that TikTok song. Right. I don't want my music to be that TikTok song. Like I worked mm. too hard and put, spent too much time making that a good song for it to just be a TikTok song, you know? Yeah. I want people to enjoy it and then be like, oh my gosh, I want to listen to this whole album. I didn't want to tell my friends to listen to this whole album and get psyched on it. And like, I want to get this album for myself. I want to gift it to my friends for Christmas. I want to give this to my mom for her birthday. Like, I want people to know about this because I love it so much. I don't want it to be a 15-second dance <laughs> video on TikTok, you know? Yeah. <laughs> A three three second clip that you don't even know where in the song it's from. I tried basically. so hard to catch a falling. Hey, that's that TikTok song. No, <laughs> it was way more important than that. <laughs> I do not want that to become a trend. People trying to catch falling knives. <laughs> <laughs> Unintentional TikTok viral trend. <laughs> oh no! <Ooh>. Yikes! <laughs> 
I've got oh, one more question that I ask all my guests as of late, but beforehand, I, just like for the listeners, this is funny because we were talking beforehand. I've been trying to have more brevity in my episodes because we ramble forever. I like to dive deep. I actually hate the just, I don't know, just the basic non-deep whatever conversation like listen you can get that just listen to the album we already if you're here that's a good thing by now i'm not even making any sense but my point is we're gonna have to do a part two because i like diving deep with you i think that there's just so much emotion and so much you know raw depth in your music that we could go on for three hours but I'm cutting it short because I had joked, let's do like 20, 30 minutes. I'm yeah, trying to shorten yeah. the podcast. What, what's the time now? I, I'm 50 not, minutes or something? I, 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 <laughs> I'm not counting. I'm not counting. But it's funny because, yeah, even when I try to keep it short, when I'm having a conversation like this, it just naturally runs along, right? Um, but the one last question I've been asking every guest, and a common answer has, is basically my own album. So I'm going to allow you to do that. But um time capsule thousand years five thousand ten thousand years from now so far that it's ridiculous how long from now someone's going to open it and we've started setting it up last year you're contributing to this time capsule that you know the people of the future are going to see and my album is a common answer so i'm just going to give you that one but i want at least one or two more as to what tangible thing and here's a key. It has to be tangible because it can't be a thought or idea or a phrase. It would need to be something physical, right? Um, we'll toss your album in. I want to just do that for you. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the if, people of the future, thank you as well. <laughs> anything else come to mind that you want to contribute? In a time capsule that thousands of years would be open. I would say whether it's my own or someone else's journal, perhaps from a very tumultuous time or a very transformative time in their life. I journal almost every day. And I think um, it's very interesting to look back even just from a few years ago versus like, you know, I've, I've journaled since I was in first grade. And so um, it's interesting to see what was mundane then is not mundane now. And to read about what thoughts I was thinking and all these things. It's so fascinating to, to be able to see what someone else, uh, to read what someone else was thinking and doing and experiencing is so powerful. I mean, written word is so powerful. <laughs> um, it's one of the few ways we can get what's inside our heads out, right? So definitely a journal, whether it's mine or someone else's, I don't think it really matters because uh, it'll still be really interesting a few thousand years from now. And then- um, It's got to be yours because if someone's listening to the album, they're going to want to see- it. Okay, then the my album- my journal. How about that? <laughs> from the gosh, I have like 10 journals from the last year. Throw all of them in. Um, <laughs> then God, do I have something else? Um I I kind of want to throw something in that would just kind of like be a mystery and actually has like no meaning whatsoever to us. There's like no, like it would be like a chicken bone or something, you know, like really yeah. or like a t-shirt, like a band t-shirt. Um, but for some reason it ends up being a minute. What, what could this possibly be? Um, and uh, basically throw them on a loop. If you just play a little prank on people in the future, that'd be kind of fun. I love yeah. that. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's prank the future. Let's prank the future. <laughs> Sally 2024. <laughs> let's prank the future. Oh my God. 
So, Sally, you've been great. Anyone listening, I won't make you blab off all the places. We'll put it in the show notes. Go to the show notes, like, share, subscribe to this podcast. DM Sally, DM me with recommendations for the show. Anybody you want to have come on, if you want to come on, let's create a network here. And, you know, to close out, Sally, is there anything that you wanted to bring to the table that maybe we forgot to address? Um, all, all I'll say is first, thanks for having me. This was really lovely. Uh, and just getting deeper into this music, uh, thinking about it in a way I haven't thought about it actually. Um, but more than that, I really hope that people dive into this album a bit or just sit with it. Even if it's just one listen through, um, and pick a few songs that they like and resonate with them and stick them on a playlist I always stick my favorite songs on a playlist, whether it's for the month that is happening right now or the place that I'm living or the time that I'm experiencing. I have a playlist for everything. Mm. And whenever I listen to that song, it takes me right back to that memory or that place or that time in my life. And I hope that this acts as a soundtrack for some people. And a few months or years from now, they listen to these songs and they're taken right back to when they first heard them. So. Thanks again for coming on. We'll do another one, Sally. Thanks again yeah, for coming on. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Rochester Groovecast podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and remember the fee. Share this with a friend and tell them exactly why they should listen. And don't forget to keep it groovy, baby.